a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the most powerful, most respected force in the galaxy. In the ages before the rise of the Emperor Palpatine, before the fall of Darth Vader, before the birth of Luke Skywalker, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Through all the long years, their stories have been preserved. Two of the most famous of these Jedi warriors were Ulic Keldroma and Nomi Sunrider, young Jedi Knights of great power who learned to master the ways of the Force. Their adventures were a prelude to the great wars that would follow, for the rise and fall of empires, and for all future clashes between the dark side and the light. The battle that would alter the course of the galaxy begins on the planet Arcania, where the great Jedi Master, Arca, patiently trains his three apprentices, the brash young Ulic Keldroma, his brother Kay, and the alien called Tot Donita, a member of the Twi'lek race. Listen now to these stories of good and evil, these legends of heroes and villains struggling for control of the galaxy, these tales of the Jedi. Welcome to episode number 209 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. We're talking about the Tales of the Jedi. Oh my god. We're going way back. <laughs> going back to the the High Republic before it was high, when it was like the Junior High Republic. <laughs> I thought you were going somewhere else with that. <laughs> no, it's like middle school. It's the Junior High Republic. A few weeks ago, there was that the big announcement of the big publishing initiative coming on the, the all the High Republic stuff that's happening, the books and the comics, and there for a while there was a rumor that the High Republic was going to be uh, the next series of movies, but now it's publishing. Maybe it will cross over into some kind of future live action thing. Whatever, it's cool. It's interesting. It's new characters. It's a new timeline. It's a new story. But when that came out, the first thing I was thinking of was like, wow, this reminds me a lot of the old tales from the Jedi. And what the heck was up with those old tales of the Jedi comics? 
Yeah, because I knew they existed, but I never, for whatever reason, got into those and read those when they came out, which is weird because they came out when we were living together. And I guess you weren't reading them at the time either. Or if you were, you were like reading them in secret and not telling me. No one must know my secret time, my private time. <laughs> you're, you're knocking on my door. I'm busy. Yeah. Hiding the papers under your pillow. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> it's a different timeline. Like what? The High Republic is four, what was it, 400 years before The Phantom Menace or 500 years or something? I can't remember. I think it was 400. And these Tales of the Jedi comics, which put out by Dark Horse Comics in the mid-90s, like we were saying last week with the video thing, they came out right around the time of the the Black Half Faces video covers, like right around that Star Wars boom there in like 95, 96. They take place, what, 5,000 years before A New Hope? Oh, actually, the High Republic is, it's only 200 years before Phantom Menace. So it's... It's it's really not that far in the past, just slightly far in the past, not thousands of years like the Tales from the Jedi era. These Tales from the Jedi comics, when you start to dig into them, they're, I don't know, they share some of the same kind of spirit as what we learned about this whole High Republic thing, where it was like a totally different era, the Jedi of the past. I don't think they've said anything in the High Republic thing about Sith, but this was, there was a lot of like... Sith stuff in the Tales from the Jedi. When the some of the they share some of the fashion, I think too, because there's kind of in the art, there's a bunch of kind of the Greek and Roman looking guys mixed in with some of the crazy aliens in the Tales from the Jedi, which is interesting. Because remember when we did the Carrie Fisher George Lucas interview episode, and Lucas was talking about how he wanted to get into TV, and he really wanted to do. A series about the Ro- the fall of the Roman Empire, and he's like, it's interesting. It's history. Uh, to be very honest with you, a lot of TV shows I'd like to do. A lot of TV. Really? Yeah. Like it's an that. interesting format because you don't get wound up in this, you know, first weekend grosses and, you know, how to uh, play here and there, and and it you can actually do very uh, uh, specialized, unique sort of niche programming, and get away with it. And I like that. And so I'm interested in history and things. And so I'm going to do some historical TV series. Like what area of history? Uh, I'm interested in the Roman Empire. I'm interested in, uh, you know, more ancient. Like the gladiator. Well, that's part of it. But I'm more interested in the, in the, the, the political story that's being told through, uh, through that, uh, which is probably the you know, longest running, greatest sort of civilized like- government in that mankind's ever produced. So you sort of like, is it like epics? No, it's not epics. It's, it's, uh, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that uh, the history of Rome very much deals with a lot of the same issues that we are dealing with now in terms of contemporary problems. Okay. And I would like to be able to, to uh, you know, put that down and say, look, what you think is now a new and unique experience is actually something that happened 2,000 years ago, and they were coping with the same problems. And this is what happened. And you can, if you begin to understand history, you can see where it is going. And then you can say, hmm, if we're not careful, we're going to end up making those same mistakes that they made in Rome. The problem is today, most people don't know Roman history, so they're just repeating the same mistakes over and over again. So this would be, well, a sitcom. Yeah. 
it's such a great thing to look at for if you're going to do ancient Star Wars history, base it on Rome. Yeah, the whole look, all of it. It is fun kind of going back in time that far with these comics because it is kind of something that will be exciting to see if if the live action stuff ever does of just going either so far in the past or future that there's really no nothing to tie you to the original nine movies other than there's jedis and there's force and there's you know some universe things but just kind of yeah it has nothing to do with the skywalkers it has nothing to do with the empire it's just crazy jedis crazy aliens weird everything's like magic it's much more fantasy almost than even though there's quite a bit of spaceships and things and i guess star wars always is more fantasy than science fiction but these tales from the jedi comics seem to be even more fantasy than than the movies ever were which was weird when i kind of discovered these comics somewhere around that time after they came because i got some of the trade paperbacks i remember picking them up and looking at them and thinking like oh yeah this is great this is what i want to know and it's what the early days of the Jedi are. I want to know who, who like this whole thing, yeah, who were the Jedi thousands of years before Luke and what is the Sith war and what's the rise and fall of the Sith. This is fascinating. And I feel like I kind of still want to know that I'd love to see that on screen. We'll get into it as we get more into these comics, but I've had these graphic novels forever and I've always been intrigued by them, but I don't know if I've ever been able to understand the plot of these things because there's like a thousand characters and it maybe that's the thing too that it is so far removed from what's familiar to us in the movies except for lightsabers and the occasional droid it was always hard for me to wrap i felt like i was reading something else like reading some other science fantasy thing yeah i could see that because they do seem it's like reading Lord of the Rings or something where it just kind of like it's very wordy, even though it's a comic book and everyone kind of looks the same and everything is kind of happening at once. And they're jumping through time periods, kind of, and all these different characters. And, yeah, I don't know that it necessarily made sense to me reading it, but it's part of its charm, I think, is it's it's almost is like reading real history because it kind of doesn't make sense all the time. And you're, and you're confused, like maybe somebody found this on a scroll somewhere and there were pages missing. I don't know. It kind of works. But I'm just trying to think. We used to go to the comic shop all the time around 95 looking for Power of the Force figures, right? Why weren't we buying these? I guess it was just we didn't – there was only so much money to go around because we were in college and we just weren't spending money on comics. It's the only thing I can think of. That's a really good question because we were pretty much ready to spend our very little cash that we had on anything, literally anything that had the name Star Wars on it. And you would think, yeah, just, yeah, here's, we weren't really buying Star Wars comics yet. I didn't really start buying Star Wars comics, I think, I want to say until getting closer to the prequels. And I, maybe it was, I think it was the, the Dark Horse's uh, Coyote Mundi series that sucked me in. And then some of the, the Rogue Squadron stuff. I, I started reading some of that stuff and I was like, ah, this is this is amazing. Because that's kind of, I think I was in the same boat where it was kind of like, I didn't really 
start buying Star Wars comics till after the prequels came out in those that three year gap between movies when I was losing my mind and just needed Star Wars stuff, then I started to yeah go back and get you know the comics that were out at the time or getting paperbacks and stuff of some of the older stuff. But yeah, I don't know why I never thought to read any of these until you mentioned we should do an episode on them. So it was kind of exciting to go and to get dig into this. That's fascinating because I I feel like these Tales of the Jedi comics are something everyone knows were out there and very few people have have read. But the people that are really into them are really, really into them. But you'd never read any of them before before this? No, but what's funny going through and reading them was I'm familiar with a bunch of the characters from the the Wizards of the Coast miniatures game from the like early 2000s that I played a lot. And eventually when they ran out of like, because that, that game I think came out after Attack of the Clones. So after they used up the original trilogy and Attack of the Clones characters, they started putting characters from this in. So, like, I have miniatures, I think, for the main characters and the, like, Mandalorian battle, forgot their, like, motorcycle ship things or whatever. Like, I have little miniatures for all this stuff. So, going through the comics, I was like, oh, I know that name. Oh, I know that person. I remember, was it Celebration 3? The night before, the, the night we arrived in Indianapolis, and you had like, wasn't it like a like a fishing box? Yeah. And you busted out all your miniatures, and we were playing a quick game on the bed. Yeah, and I remember you were taking everybody out, and I, remember, I do, I kind of remember you were like, I don't even know who this guy is, and I think I was like, that's Ulick Quell Dromo Dromo. So yeah, I don't at the time. I guess it's you know finally I finally know who these people are. How many miniatures did you have? Because I remember you had like a ton of them. And wasn't it a secret where you weren't married yet? Wasn't it like a secret like you couldn't tell your girlfriend how many miniatures you had because you'd fear you'd get broken up with? No, I think she was okay with it. But it was I think at the time I was always playing at work, so I think I just they were all at work, so it just was kind of like maybe I just didn't realize how many I had. They're they're tiny, so but no, I have a like a plastic storage bin full of them still. Maybe I'll dig them out now that I know who all these Tales from the Jedi characters are. Yeah, and there's like a thousand characters. There's so many, and it's the yeah, it's this whole other world of Star Wars that crossed over into all these other Dark Horse comics, and it was it literally was like what they did with the High Republic, but in the mid nineties. <laughs> Well, it was almost like, in a way, it was like unintentionally getting you ready for Phantom Menace, for getting you ready for Star Wars that's different than any Star Wars you're used to, other than there's Jedis in it and Sith. Open your thoughts to me. Let my words become images in your mind. Listen to me, Ulik. Listen to me, Kay. Listen to me, Totonita. Through the Force, you will see things, other places, the future, the past. Light years from here, orbiting a yellow sun, is the world of Onderon, circled by its four moons. I... I see it. It's a terrible place. Desolate. I see it too. Creatures live there. Monsters with wings. 
big as skyhoppers. All right, so let's go over some of the history. How did this whole Tales of the Jedi thing happen? Where did it come from? Who created it? This whole story is kind of a follow-up to when we did, I think it was last year or the year before, when we did our Dark Empire episode about the amazing fortune-telling Dark Empire comic with a cloned emperor, except <laughs> this cloned emperor was young and had blonde hair and was naked. And <laughs> if, if only Rise of Skywalker would have gave us young, naked, blonde emperor, at least. Maybe the comic book adaptation will have that. Who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe, you know, more, more surprises. Wouldn't be surprised by anything anymore. So it was 1988, and uh, Tom Vietch, who, who wrote uh, the Dark Empire series, he pitches to Marvel the idea of doing a comic that had the, the whole ancient Jedi and Sith. He, he proposed it to Lucasfilm. Proposed it to, to Marvel. Lucasfilm at the time didn't think, this is 1988, didn't think that there was enough of a Star Wars following. And VH said in an interview, and a, a lot of this information too is pulled from some uh, issues of uh, Sacred Jedi texts, the old Star Wars insiders that had several, several stories about Tales from the Jedi comics. Well, and a, so a bunch of VH's friends told him supposedly, you're crazy, Star Wars is dead. <laughs> so he shelved the idea, and he moved on to his second idea. He was, he was bound and determined to get some Star Wars stuff done. His second idea, which was a follow-up to Return of the Jedi, which later became Dark Empire, of course. That came out. It was originally supposed to come out with Marvel. It came out with Dark Horse, and it was a huge, huge hit. Huge, huge hit, and allowed Dark Horse to have the Star Wars license until 2015. In Dark Empire, though, there was a scene where Leia, like, stole a holocron that was telling her stuff, and this holocron used to belong to an ancient Jedi master named Bodo Bas, who was, like, this armadillo, <laughs> like, this floating, floating creature thing. And through this, like, ancient Jedi holocron, Leia learned about ancient Jedi history. And Vietch introduced all these characters and stories that he wanted to do in his ancient Jedi Sith thing. In Dark Empire, like, I don't even know if we we talked about this when we did our episode on it. I don't know if it was in the back of the individual comics, but in the back of the graphic novel, there's like five or six pages of just a glossary of Vietch's invented ancient Jedi history stuff and all these names. The guy was nuts. He came up with all this like backstory for all this Jedi stuff. And it's all insane. And I'm none of it makes sense. So Dark Empire comes out. Dark Horse wants VH to work on an Indiana Jones series, but he pushed for his idea that he was at the time was calling the Jedi Chronicles. This time he went straight to the big George Lucas who I guess loved the story and gave Vietch free reign. His only suggestion was that the name Jedi Chronicles was too similar to the then in production young Indiana Jones Chronicles. So they changed it to tales of the Jedi. 
So he's getting ready to write the comics, and VH watched all three of the original movies over and over. Uh, he studied the West End games, role-playing game, and he got to work writing the, the first five issues about ancient Jedi Knight Ulic Queldroma, who was also, he was introduced in Dark Empire. And around this time, too, he started talking to Star Wars author Kevin J. Anderson, who was writing the Jedi Academy trilogy at the time. And they started talking about, hey, we should involve both of our stories, like the Jedi Academy series and what you're doing with Tales of the Jedi. And that brought in the the long-dead Sith Lord, Exar Kun. And so they were working with the, the, the great Lucy Wilson from Lucasfilm as their guide, their, their, their liaison to Lucas. And they started this whole interconnected world of books and comics and characters about this period of time, 5,000 years before A New Hope. Again, shockingly similar to kind of what, what they introduced with this whole High Republic business. Yeah, well... I guess it worked. <laughs> it worked before. Give it a shot again. So the the first comic that came out, and we'll we'll get into it more in depth in a little bit, was Uvek Queldroma and the Beast Beast Riders. So what is it? Beast Wars. Beast Wars of Andoran. Which, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Hello, Andoran," Andoran was first introduced in the Tales from the Jedi comic, and Andoran, the home of Saw Gerrera, they kept. People riding birds. So definitely, yeah, still lives on in, in Star Wars canon. And so he, he keeps writing. He keeps doing all these, like, separate story arcs, kind of introducing separate characters. And when I was looking back on these this week, getting ready to do this episode, like we were saying, like the, for a while there was the rumor that The High Republic was going to be a movie series. Movie series. And for a while we heard the rumor, too, that the some of the upcoming films were going to be not necessarily a trilogy. I think that's when the Game of Thrones goofballs were attached and there was that kind of talk. And I really started to think about it like, well, that would be an interesting idea, kind of like what they did in these comics. If we're going to go into Star Wars' past, if we're going to go into like the Roman times of Star Wars, almost what this comic did of we're going to tell the story of one Jedi and then we're going to tell the story of another Jedi that may know that first Jedi we match. Like these stories are connected, but they're separate stories. Yeah. And it's kind of neat how it, it jumps around. And even as you go through, there's what the one or two whole little series that are even further back in time before they jump into the future. I mean, it is almost really, if you go through the whole run of tales of the Jedi, it's kind of like the sequ- the nine star Wars movies. Cause there's the, there's the original couple runs that go kind of chronologically, right? Then they jump way back in time and then they come back and do a sequel to the original. So it's, it's like the same as what the films ended up doing of doing the original trilogy, jumping back in time for the prequels and then jumping ahead to the sequel to the original. So it's kind of funny how that all worked out. Yeah. And I got into the idea of doing that, but just with individual films and not trilogies. Of these stories that are interconnected but are separate. It's almost like the Marvel movies in a way, I guess, if you want to boil it, boil it down to the simplest thing of, yeah, doing all these stories about that are their own thing and then at some point figure out a reason for those 
those stories to come together in a future story, which is a very comic book thing to do. And I know you can't compare the Star Wars films to the Marvel films. They're completely different things. But I could see Star Wars kind of adapting that formula to itself and making it work in a cinematic way. I don't know. So anyways, VH had an artist, this young artist, Christian Gossett, who they met on a on a whim at San Diego Comic-Con. And he started doing... Uh, a lot of the art for Tales of the Jedi, and he created the whole look of Onderon and the beasts, and they they were going full steam ahead on these comics, and they would submit questions to Lucy Wilson, who would give them directly to to George Lucas, and he would give supposedly Lucas would give them a lot of feedback and a lot of the things they were coming up with. Lucas was all into, which is interesting because you start to see. I mean, not just Onderon, which showed up later in Clone Wars, of course. You start to see a lot of things that would show up later. Because what Lucas was writing the prequels while he was like getting notes from Luke, Lucy Wilson, from Tom Vietch and Kevin Anderson about what they were doing in this. Yeah, it was really fascinating to me reading these, knowing that Lucas was writing the prequels at the same time as these, how much it seems like either... The notes they were getting from Lucas were because Lucas was thinking about these things for the prequels or as Lucas was reading these or responding to their questions, it was inspiring things that he wrote in the prequels. But yeah, there it's there's a lot of kind of subtle overlap between these two, even visuals kind of like I feel like Lucas must have liked the I mean, he likes comics. He probably read all of these. Just the fact that. Eventually, in these comics and before the Phantom Menace came out, there was a double-bladed lightsaber. That whole con- that concept showed up first in these comics. And a droid army. Yeah. Well, people forget that in the prequels, you know, Ayla Sakura started as a comic book character introduced by Dark Horse Comics. And there was the mention of Quinlan Voss in Revenge of the Sith. You know, I don't count that guy that inspired the look of Quinlan Voss in, in the Phantom Menace. That's not Quinlan Voss. That's just some dude hanging out on Tatooine. But it goes back to like our our episode we did last summer with the newspaper strip comics. That Lucas is a comic book guy. I don't think he ever read like any of the books that ever came out or cares about him or anything. But he likes the comic, and he might have actually read the comics because he's, like I said, he's a comic book guy. Remember the big story of a couple years ago is he was buying all the original art from the Han Solo comic. When the whole canon thing got announced and, oh, we're, we're, we're starting over with the canon and some people were shocked and some people were, well, you know, what's the big deal? I don't blame people for being kind of freaked out because I... I feel like at that time, like around the time of the prequels, especially when Ayla Sakura started showing up in Attack of the Clones and stuff, and the comics and the movies were crossing over, I was, I was thinking in my head, I was like, these comics might be canon. This is this is what's really happening. <laughs> this is the real story. Well, and why wouldn't you think that? And, yeah. And if, if characters from the comics are showing up in the films, if what is happening in these tales from the Jedi comics was inspiring what George Lucas was writing. 
in the prequels, I mean, I think of the the Terry Brooks Phantom Menace novelization where there was that whole part with the history of the Sith. It's pretty much what happens in these comics. Yeah, so there's definitely who inspired who, we don't know, but there was definitely cross-pollination between the writing of these and the writing of the prequels and then, yeah, the novelization, like the, the rough backstory is there and we know Lucas always had his notebooks of outlines and and weird things so it, it makes sense that some of this kind of would all be very similar especially if there was communication between the creators George Lucas the director of American Graffiti and Star Wars is a longtime dedicated fan of the comics he collects the artist's original drawings of Prince Valiant and Flash Gordon basically I you know my main interest in school and ever since has been cultural anthropology and uh, sociology and those uh, related social fields and and so my take on art is is more culturally oriented and I look at art as sort of a as a uh, as a way of judging a culture and understanding not really what it looked like or anything but what the people were thinking and what the people were feeling and what was going on in a particular time uh, and uh, the comic book, comic books and comic art is, um, is a really strong and uh, a very, a very close to the pulse of the culture kind of art. Uh, and it's really a cultural signpost of the times of, in which it was drawn, uh, which is, to me, the most important aspect of art. And I think it has a much more, it's a lot more important than, say, uh, you know, New Hampshire landscapes or or anything like that. I mean, it really tells you what's going on in a country or what the people are feeling uh, uh, at a particular moment in history. And uh, in that way, I don't think it'll ever die out. I don't think it'll, you know, I think what is drawn today will become very important. It's the, uh, the hieroglyphs of the, or the graffiti of our times. Yeah, so about later in the, in the 90s, VH left Tales from the Jedi, and his quote was, as Star Wars once again becomes a cultural phenomenon, I felt my freedom slip away. So it was time to do other things. And Kevin, Kevin J. Anderson took over, finishing the Sith War, submitting questions to George Lucas about Sith history and all that stuff. And the Mandalorians are introduced. Kevin Anderson brings them in, which we'll talk about more of the Mandalorians in a, in a little bit. And the comic keeps going for a while. Like we said, they do prequels, and then it goes back. Eventually, it, it ends... After a very long run, but then we start to get into the era of the Knights of the Old Republic games and that comic book series. And there were a ton of references to Ulit Queldroma in those games and the characters from these these comics in that. Ulit Queldroma appeared in the the very strange 2003 Clone Wars video game. Remember that one? <laughs> That like started when well, had the Geonosis battle, arena battle in the game. The Xbox one? Yeah, the the Clone Wars game that was even predated the Jendi cartoons. Really? They talk about him in that game? Yeah, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, like I think he sees an old hologram from Ulit Queldroma. And it's Ewan McGregor-esque Obi-Wan Kenobi connecting to the tales from the jedi comics i have to dig that out because i i always remember that game because i never bought it for a long time and and i think i was like waiting for it to go on sale or something and finally i was like you know what 
it's a Clone Wars game. I need this. And I bought it. And literally the next day it went on sale after I bought it for full price. <laughs> and I was like, no. Well, and probably the wildest crossover with the Tales from the Jedi comic, the sculpture in Palpatine's office in Revenge of the Sith. That's also in, I believe, we haven't been there yet, in uh, Doc Undar's Den of Antiquities in Galaxy's Edge, the big ancient Jedi versus creatures sculpture. That is inspired by the great hyperspace war from the Tales from the Jedi, the, the fall of the Sith Empire comic. Crazy. Lucas was all about those, and he supposedly he said he wanted something for Palpatine's office and probably gave direction. I'm like, well, this is Jedi history. I love those, the, the funny books. It's good stuff. Which is crazy because I always like saw that in the movie and be like, oh, I want to hear that story. It's kind of in these weird comics. And double crazy with these comics, in 1997, there were audio dramas made of them that came out on cassette. And a CD was released in 2005. And I just realized I have all of them on cassette. I don't know why. <laughs> You're holding out on me. I didn't know you had them either. I don't ever remember buying them, but I have them. So maybe they, they just were still showed up somehow. Maybe we just need to start playing that in the background so it'll all kind of sink in and eventually it will all make sense and you can explain to me exactly what happens. <laughs> well, and they're all, if you're curious, if, if, if I remember, I'll, I'll try and link it in the show notes. They're all on YouTube. Somebody put all of them on YouTube and they have sound effects, they have music, they have actors. Like radio drama versions of the Tales from the Jedi comics, which is insane. You didn't even know they existed. Who else was talking about these? Or they're like, you know what we need? Radio dramas. Somebody knew. <laughs> People a lot cooler than us knew about this stuff. We were too busy watching QVC all day. <laughs> I'm gonna call and get the Yoda watch, the Yoda hologram watch. Maybe I'll get on the show. Maybe I'll talk to Steve Sansweet. We could have been listening to the. Tales of the Jedi audio dramas all day. <laughs> wasting, wasting time. Too busy buying $30 Lando figures <laughs> and French speeder bikes. My, my finest moment. <laughs> I remember it well. The vision, it's fading. We have reached the present. Now the people of Onderon have asked the Republic to intercede. And the Republic, in turn, has called upon the Jedi for help. I have agreed to become the watchman of the Onderon system. Are you going to leave us, Master Arca? Or will you take us with you? I'm not taking you with me, Ulick, because I'm staying here. You are going to Onderon. What? Us? I don't understand. Don't you see, Kay? At last, after all our years of training, we've been given our first mission. So, Gabe, you read a bunch of these for the first time just recently. I did. Yeah. What, what can you tell us about what you read? So, unfortunately, I didn't make it through all of it, but I made it through, I think, the first three kind of series. It's a little weird, right? Because it's like each series is like five or six issues, but I guess it's almost like Clone Wars where it's like each season is made up of smaller arcs 
So I read the first one, which has the Beast Wars of Onderon and the Saga of Nomi Sunrider and the Freedom Freedon Nad Uprising. Yeah, for all my life I've been called the Freedom Nad, but that's <laughs> not. Uh, and then I read through the second one, which was called, what was that? Dark Lords of the Sith. And then there was the Sith War. I think those are the three I read. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff in there. It, it was reminding me of the old newspaper strips at times because there's so many creatures. There's so many lizards and droids and wacky spaceships. And it was interesting how they changed artists every few issues. All the artists they got had a very similar strange art style. That All the artists they got kind of drew a little weird, which is weird when you're looking at humans, but it's beautiful when they're drawing the creatures and the ships and stuff because there's some really really wild alien creatures in these but one of the first things i guess that jumped out to me was in the very first issue there's a queen aminoa which is pretty close to queen amidala yeah and that was what a good four years or so before the phantom menace and a princess galia which made me think of jedi master adi galia and in you know true Star Wars fashion, there's giant lizard creature birds that the the Andoran guys fly around on. There's a Jedi guy who can speak beast languages, which we wouldn't get until Ezra. They use the term beast lord a lot, which is great. I love there's a line where one of them, I can't remember which of the the Jedi guys says, trust me, please, I'm a Jedi. The Jedi have to deal with the dark side all the time. <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah. All the time. I don't know why. I couldn't stop laughing at the one panel where uh, it's the, it's the, because there's the two brothers, right? There's Ulik is the brother that goes bad. And then K is the good brother. K gets his arm cut off. And he just screams out, they cut off my arm. <laughs> I don't know why. I really enjoyed that. But we're introduced to battle meditation, which I knew about from the miniatures game, because that was one of the moves you could do, which seems to be a big thing in these stories, is the whole idea of Jedi fighting, not with their weapons, but like manipulating, I don't know, it's like, what are they, you're like, make everybody else lucky on your team kind of a thing. I don't know. They get really into it. Well, and battle meditation is, is one of those things that just came out of nowhere and was incredibly awesome in the Phantom Menace. But is it the same? Because battle meditation in the comics is like where you have like a Jedi on a spaceship and they're meditating to try to make the battle outside happen. Because I think that's that's ultimately what Nomi learns how to do. I think Nomi can do it. And then there's like the dark side lady that does it. I don't know. It's like manipulating the outcome of events of a war with the force. You got to think this is, there's no prequels yet. All we know about Jedi and the force is what we saw in the original trilogy, which looking back without the prequels, without the Clone Wars, without the sequel trilogy, we knew very little. And they're throwing all this crazy stuff at us, like battle meditation, manipulating the outcome of a war and 
Queldroma and K-Droma and Naomi Sunrider. This huge cast of characters. Jedi Master Bodo Boss. Well, and then they go to, when you get into the, the Nomi Sunrider part of the story, they go to this other planet and there's like a l- evil lake that's like a dark side lake and Sith lizards come out of it. You find out there's a Jedi Master and you think it's this guy with spaghetti on his head. Who's wearing like He Man Masters Universe shirt, and then you realize that it's not him; that it was a fake out, like Yoda. But instead of being like a little tiny alien, the Jedi Master is actually this like dinosaur man that looks like a Triceratops. He's the real Jedi Master, and he trains her. And before that, her husband is a Jedi who gets like mugged by Hut thugs, and they. <laughs> They kill him by throwing a poison lizard at him that bites him in the neck. (laughs) And then he dies and turns into this crazy force ghost and tells his wife that she needs to be a Jedi. This is why I never understood these comics. But for for people that they need this, that that if you can ride this wave, then you're into it. In, in In 95, 96, I wasn't ready for... People throwing lizards at at each other. Maybe I am now. I don't know. Maybe I need to listen to the audio dramas. I don't know. I think you do. I mean, there's a there's a hut in here called the Great Boga or Baga, which another prequel name. Uh, eventually, there's in one of the stories in this run, some pirates show up. The captain's name is Finhead Stonebone. <laughs> They're trying to capture Mutonium Ore. Someone gets chained up with Mandalorian manacles, and that's just that's just like the first five issues. Well, the, the Mandalorians, or the guy named Mandalorian. Mandalore is his name. Mandalore. Joe Mandalore. They factor into it, right? And it was part of, you, you always hear that story about when, uh, during Clone Wars, when George Lucas is like, I want to bring the Mandalorians in. And Dave Filoni is like, well, you got to figure out all this and shoved all these comics at him. So what, what's going on? What's the, what's the Tales from the Jedi version of Mandalorian history? Well, before we even get to Mandalore, he doesn't show up until the, what is it, the Sith War? So before that, when the, in the middle run here, Dark Lords of the Sith is when we get introduced to XR. Is it Kuhn or Khan? Nabu, Nabu. Yeah. What I guess it's Star Wars. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, he shows up. His master is Master Voto, who's probably the Voto boss who looks like a lobster, who's from Dark Empire. Yeah, he's literally a red lobster with a I think he has like a wooden stick. He doesn't even have a lightsaber. This is when the story gets crazy. There's like Because it, it was totally normal before. Yeah, it's totally normal. Then it gets really crazy because there's the whole the bad people who are like these kids on I don't know if it's Coruscant or some other city planet, and they're like, you know, listening to rock and roll and learning Sith magic. And they like make somebody vomit an eel, <laughs> and then they somehow take over the planet, and then they end up on it cuts to Dantooine. There's a Sith temple. And there's Jedi spirits trapped in a crystal. And there's an army of war droids. They end up on Yavin. There's Sith magic. There's like an arena with a giant lizard snake in it. And somebody talks about how the Sith will take their revenge. Might show up sometime later, maybe, in Star Wars. And then we get into the Sith War, where Mandalore, I think, 
Ulick fights Mandalore, beats Mandalore, and instead of killing them, he has them join their evil army. So there's Ulick and Exar Kun and Mandalore, and then there's a Sith witch lady who does like battle meditation stuff to make people see, hallucinate, and see things like they see fake. Like space octopus things <laughs> and fake ships, and at this point, I don't. Maybe the maybe I'm just hallucinating. I don't know. That's just really as far as I made it, and that's about I guess only halfway because by the end of that, I was really confused. But the good guys win. Nomi Sunrider made Ulick lose his Jedi powers, and he can't feel the Force anymore. He can't hear the Force, which sounds like Last Jedi. Oh, and back, I think Voto, the lobster man, force projects to try to save Exar Kun before he turns to the dark side because a Sith spirit tricks him and drops the Jedi temple or the Sith temple on him and crushes all his bones (laughs) and tells him unless he joins the Sith, he's not going to he's going to die. So he joins the Sith and then the Sith spirits fix his bones. But before he became the Sith. Lobster Man force projected to him to talk to him. So, yeah, it's all there. And hopefully soon I will make it through the other three, which is the two that jump back in time. And then Redemption, which is a sequel to Sith War, I think, right? Where they go back and finish off the story with Ulick. The 90s were a weird time. (laughs) A very strange, strange time. Dark Horse put out like those omnibus things where they collected all of these, but they're all available on the the Marvel comic app, right? Yeah, that's so lucky for me with I have the Marvel app and yeah, they're all on there. And yeah, I would say if you got the time, dig into these. I even forgot there's a giant spaceship made out of a giant dead mosquito or wasp or something. Oh, there's a Jedi Master who looks like a bunch of dirty sausages or something and eventually he turns into a tree (laughs) when he dies he turns into a tree and all of this had to go through lucas supposedly (laughs) that's good yeah bunch of mosquito bug in space and a a tree maybe i'll use some of that in my movies i don't know it's wild stuff i don't know i don't know what was wrong with this why we didn't why we didn't get into this when it came out We, we like you said i think we just weren't ready we couldn't handle it I almost wonder if it's absolutely insane storyline have kept it from having a more important role in Star Wars history. Because you hear people bring up Dark Empire all the time, but nobody's ever writing articles about Tales from the Jedi. That's the thing. Even when High Republic was introduced, kind of similar concept as the bones of this. But I don't think anyone could even write an article and explaining what these comics were. Like somebody would start like, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> Maybe that's how they got the name. Someone was like, "Man, did you read Tales of the Jedi?" And they're like, "You mean the High Republic?" Because it's <laughs> you got to be high to understand what's going on in any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they did the audio dramas. Like, maybe we can try and make sense of all this thing. It's the stuff that I like about Star Wars comics when it just gets really weird and there's more creatures than people and there's at least a lizard on every other page. 
the aliens are just really out there. It actually was kind of neat because a lot of the alien designs even made me think about the sequel trilogy aliens a little bit where they're all kind of like have long noses and lots of, I don't know, wrinkly faces. Like they kind of the sequel trilogy new aliens kind of feel like some of these tales from the Jedi lobster. I mean, we got a lobster man in solo and there's a lobster man in this like it all kind of it's all kind of coming together. All goes right back to Bodo Bas. Maybe they're related. Maybe they're the same thing. Will we ever know? Probably not. Let us know. What are your memories of the Tales from the Jedi comics? Did you read them when they come out? Did you understand them? Do you know what's going on in them? If you're new to them and you got the the Marvel app and you check them out, what do you think? I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep going and, and get through the other the other three. And I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about them again someday in the future. Danita and my brother Kay are already aboard the Nebulon Ranger, Master Arca. I just wanted to thank you again. We won't fail you. The Onderonians have asked for help in ending their centuries-long state of war. They will want you to fight, but remember, Ulic, the Jedi bring peace. Use your weapons as a last resort. We will do as you ask, Master. We only request that you keep us in your thoughts. In the power of the Force, I will be with you, Ulic. But this is to be a test of your knighthood. You and your companions must make your own way through the difficulties you will encounter. May the Force be with you. Okay, Apple Podcast Reviews. It is time for us to read some of the amazing reviews that you uh, folks have left for us on there. Uh, Gabe, what is our first one? Our first review is a hilarious podcast with deep insights by Brandon0127. I've enjoyed listening to Blast Point's podcast ever since I discovered them a couple months ago, and I've been digging into a lot of their previous episodes. Jason and Gabe are hilarious and have some very unique Star Wars insights and have specifically impressed me with their prequel era talking points. Love the episode about Marfa Lump. Amazing podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Oh one two seven. We love that you love Marfa Lump. We love Marfa Lump. We, we're, we're glad Marfa Lump brought us all together. It's the little things in life. <laughs> all right. This next one is from Winta Solja and is uh, titled Blast Points is Amazing! Exclamation point. This is not just a top Star Wars podcast for me, but an all-time podcast in general. Jason and Gabe's love for Star Wars is so infectious and funny. They're everything good about the fandom and why I love Star Wars so much. The more I listen, the more I appreciate every corner of the galaxy from their year-long celebration of Phantom Menace to calling General Hux flirty. It's hilarious and fun, so please do yourself a favor and start listening today. Yeah, thank you. You know, when people search Blast Points on Apple Podcasts, that's the recommendation that's going to get people to listen. So thank you, Winnie Soldier. Yeah, it's General Hux flirty. I think that that would work for me. Yeah, get me excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, ooh, tell me more. Next one, more fun you can have in a Star Wars podcast by Brendan4991. No relation to Brandon0127, as far as I can tell. Maybe. Honestly, 
Title says it all. First found this show when I stumbled onto the Jar Jar special episode, and I was overwhelmed with joy that there was so much positivity in the community towards a favorite character and childhood hero. I'm a huge fan of other Star Wars podcasts already, Scavengers Horde, Sky Talkers being my two main ones, which are great for analysis, but this podcast is pure goofy fun, with stimulating discussions sprinkled in between. I can't even count how many weird looks I've gotten when I'm listening to these guys and burst out into laughter. LOL. Love your immense enthusiasm and absolute unhindered love for this franchise. I share your love for the goofy and weird aspects of this franchise so much, and it's so relieving to find others who feel the same. You guys talk about the most trivial or minuscule character events with such intense love and joy. You could fool non-Star Wars fans into thinking that they were the single greatest part of the saga, and I aspire to have that attitude. The Rise of Skywalker kind of left me feeling let down for caring so much about the stories and characters, so I've been binging this show any chance I can to remind myself that even with the bad, there's always so much good, and it's possible to have fun and love it, if you let yourself. Thank you so much for keeping that big, dumb, goofy smile on my face. Oh, love the voices and impressions. They kill me every time. George Lucas is a personal favorite. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Thank you. It's pretty good. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, Our last one is from Matt Carey and is titled, Ask Yourself These Pivotal Questions. Have you ever thought that E.T. might be a Jedi? Do you often wonder what Mark Hamill's beard currently looks like? Have you ever thought that Rick McCallum should have his own theme song? Do you count the seconds till the end of the day when you can go home and watch Attack of the Clones? Have you ever wondered if Muff Talk wore pants? Do you turn the channel to QVC hoping that one of the Steves will be selling Star Wars collectibles? Have you ever considered sneaking into John Knoll's garage? Do you feel that your life requires more and more off? Have multiple doctors diagnosed you with typho fever? Do you have dreams about riding space whales, space, space horses, or blurgs? If you answered yes to any of these, listen to Blast Points. Jason and Gabe will help you uncover the, the mysteries and hidden secrets to the Star Wars universe and beyond. Well, that, that's it right there. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah thank you matt you, you may have listened to an episode or two well thank you matt thank you brendan thank you winter soldier and thank you brandon and if you would like us to read your apple podcast review on a future episode all you got to do is head over there after you get done listening write a little something awesome like all of those and we would be so happy to read yours and it helps the show and that Sith magic cloning way that we're still learning about. Thank you. 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 Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. Hey, this is actor and creature performer Details from a few of these Star Wars movies set in a galaxy far, far away. And you're tuned in to the Blast Points Podcast.
May the force be with you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. out on blastpointspodcast.com instagram twitter facebook and if you're on facebook sign up for the super chill group for blast points 24 7 meet friends new people other people that listen to this this podcast they're talking about star wars every day it's always a good time you always learn something new. And if you want to support the show in a different way, you can head over to the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon, where every Saturday we've got our Clone War recap review episodes for every single episode of Season 7. We did On the Wings of Keardax came out last weekend. So if you sign up, you can listen to that now. And we're going to keep going all the way till the end of episode uh, Season 7. But that about wraps up episode 209 here, Tales from the Jedi comics. Some wild stuff, man. Some really crazy stuff in those. There's definitely, if you're killing time waiting for Mandalorian Season 2 or another Star Wars movie to come out in the theater, there's some uh, some gold if you go digging. Oh, Dark Horse. An amazing run. But yeah, we'll be back next week with more more fun, more more Star Wars, more goodies. Talk to you later. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Taking Galea and Orin back to our ship. Where's the queen? Escape, I. Ah! Hey, your arm! My arm! They've cut off my arm! Made a fool.